This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two, and soon to be three, and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. We have a very exciting special episode today, an episode about how our introduction is now wrong, <laughs> outdated. Sarah is the proud mother of three. So congratulations, Sarah. Thank you so much. Yes, we will have to defer re-recording our intro, I think, until the new year. That'll be a nice fresh start for us all. Um, but yeah, we're so excited. We welcomed our number three on December 11th, and now it's starting to actually feel like the new normal, yeah. and it's very exciting. There are five of you. <laughs> there are, you know, you think about your family and certain units of number, and then it's it's different. So I know when I see us all together in pictures, it's like, whoa, that's a that's a lot. There are a lot so of us. <laughs> exactly. And you, they multiply. You've been posting uh, photos of all of you on on Instagram. You had your family yes. photo, right? Oh my gosh, that was so. My father in law took that, and I think he took like. I mean, it wasn't a glamour shot. Like we were not dressed nicely or anything, and he took maybe like twenty frames and. 
the one that we got that was the best one was so bad, but it was still the best one because in every other one, one of our kids or me like ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like too many variables. Well, that's why for our, our Christmas card this year, we wound up putting um, four separate photos of the kids yes. on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we, I think we're going to do we that could <laughs> for our New Year's card. All four, you know, looking normal. But, uh, yeah. So I, let's just, I guess, share the details you want to share and how sure. to, the... I might as well, since I've strung all of you along from the beginning here, <laughs> but yeah, you know, this was my third pregnancy going to 40 weeks gestation. <laughs> so it does happen sometimes like that. I started to get a little frustrated as we approached the due date and because I somehow thought, well, if I had the other two at 40 weeks, what's the chances that I'm really going to hold on to this one for that long? But apparently maybe they're pretty high. Maybe that just means that's what my body likes to do because I did have an induction scheduled and there's nothing against inductions, but it was for 40 weeks in one day. And I was like, eh, do I really need to do that? When Annabelle came on her own at 40 weeks in two days. So I ended up canceling it. And then sure enough, at 40 weeks in two days, I went to like a regular OB appointment and I had been contracting a lot the night before. And they're like, eh, you need to do a little non-stress test, which is just when they listen to your, the baby's heart rate through a monitor because her heart rate was a little bit high, probably mostly because honestly, I was like up the whole night before, like, cause it was painful. But how did you and then, pause here? I mean, I want you to tell the story, but how did you know those weren't like the real contractions? Well, they were, but they were every like 10 to 15 oh, okay. minutes. So it was like, well, what am I going to do about that? And that's kind of how Annabelle came too. I was like up the entire night. Like they were big enough to wake me up, but not frequent enough to like do anything about yeah, it. Yeah. So, so it was like, it was a teaser. And then at around five, 6am, they actually pretty much stopped, but then they, they kind of restarted when I got to the OB and while they were monitoring me, I was like, Oh, now I think they're like every six minutes. Mm, now they're every five yeah. minutes. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait and they were starting to hurt more. So they were kind of, they were kind of hinting that they were planning to admit me anyway, because they felt like, oh, well, she's far enough along and this heart rate, we don't like this. Um, but then when the OB came, he's like, yeah, I think you'll just have the baby. If I break your water, you're just going to have her. Yeah. And I was like, and your oh. husband had come with you to this appointment. Yes. Yeah. He had like, that was smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Props to us. Taking a while, um, so it's actually amazing because the one thing I had been dreading about this delivery was that we live um, 30 minutes away from the hospital in no traffic and like an hour plus away in traffic. Ooh. So I was like, what if I'm just, you know, in like the worst part of labor and we're driving and we didn't have to do any of that. So maybe my body was just like, okay, yeah, I, I knew what you wanted to avoid. I've just avoided it for you. But yeah, once he broke the water, uh, things progressed very quickly. I actually did not get my epidural in as timely of a fashion <laughs> as I would have preferred. Is it ever in as timely of a fashion as one might want? I mean, at that point. Well, in retrospect, I should have been like, do not break my water until it's in place because I'm already in a lot of pain. But I was like a little too out of it to be making demands. And like, to be honest, I bet he was like, oh, I'll break her water before dinner, eat dinner with my family and come back. Like, I'm sure that's how his mind was working. But what he didn't know was that there were like three women in front of me in line for epidurals. So at least I got to see what getting to nine centimeters feels yeah, like. Not, it doesn't feel pleasant, does it? <laughs> not the best. No. And eventually the epidural did get in my body and it was amazing. And then, um, yeah, it was a very quick uh, exit and went really, really well. She did have her cord tied around loosely twice. So it was a little dramatic at the very end. Um, but then she cried very quickly and 
I could tell she, we were like, oh, she's bigger because she was my biggest baby at seven pounds, two ounces. And she's been such a good girl so far. She like? Is she like the others or is she? You know? She's actually very reminiscent of Annabelle yeah. to me. And it's funny because I'm talking to Josh and I'm like, "Do is it that we forgot what Cameron was like because that was such a blur because Annabelle was such a toddler? Or Annabelle just made a bigger impression on us because she was the first one? Or is this baby really more like Annabelle? And I think it may be all of those things. <laughs> but she's a little more chill than Cameron was as a baby. And she looks more like Annabelle, I think, although all three are definitely <laughs> cut from the same so Sarah mold. posted a picture on her blog of what looks like three of the exact same baby. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did yours look the same as newborns? Um, it, pretty much. Uh, so, I mean... They all have similar, you know, eyes and hair and <laughs> they have the same chin. And um, I think you need to yeah, make the same picture pretty, pretty to see much. what it looks like. A composite. We did a, a family thing. My, we celebrated my parents' 50th wedding anniversary this summer. We all went to the beach for a week. And one of the things we did is a baby guessing game. So all of us had baby pictures and we had to guess who was who. And I think the only people who got my three sons distinguished from each other was me and my sister-in-law um oh that's so yeah. funny I, I don't my husband could not tell our three sons apart wow um, oh that's really funny yeah but uh you know they 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 are who they are clearly you've got the exact same <laughs> yeah and they don't look the same now and neither do Annabelle and Cameron so I don't expect that Genevieve is going to be a carbon copy growing up but she she just is very reminiscent of Annabelle and she sleeps like Annabelle which is a good thing um <laughs> Um, I'm not saying she's like one of those miraculous, like, Oh, I slept six hours last night. Like, no, none of my kids pull that, but she's been doing like three to four hour stretches at night pretty regularly, which is a godsend. Yeah. No, that's nice. Um, and and not, not screaming like, no, she doesn't scream. I mean, I'm totally jinxing myself because she's only 10 days old. Yeah, and as we know, everything just likes to change with newborns. So she may be a totally different baby at four weeks or six weeks. Um, but as of now, no, there's like, there's no screaming like ever. <laughs> Contented little baby. <laughs> she is. She does like to eat a lot yeah. like during the day. I mean, and I think I had this with at least Annabelle and maybe the other two, like hourly, honestly, like in the morning, it'll she'll last a little longer, but then the afternoon she's like on my chest every hour or even less sometimes. So I have had some, you know, TMI, like pain, especially on one side, which I'm trying to, to deal yeah. with. But, um, but that's not, I mean, honestly, that just happens. If we have any, you know, first time soon to be parents listening to this podcast, <laughs> they, you know, there's a certain like stress. <laughs> breastfeeding, shall I say militancy out there <laughs> where people will try to convince you things that, oh, if it hurts when you're breastfeeding, you're doing it wrong. Uh, no, it just. Oh yeah. All three of mine hurt and they all hurt more on one side than the other. I will say, I think the pain is a little more persistent with this one. And I'm like, Hey, this is my third. I should be the best at it by now, but I'm sure it all has to do with the shape of their mouth and how they like to lash and how aggressively they suck and all that kind well, of stuff. I also stuff. think it's how long since your last one you've been. <gasps> I was thinking that too, because I remember with Cameron being fine in a week, but I really had only been like, I'd had Annabelle less than a year prior, breastfeeding. Yep. 
So that, that's you. And you would be a great person to have that experiment. So. <laughs> so it was my experiment, yes. No, well, I mean, with my fourth, I, I had pain on one side right up until the six-week appointment. Like I actually had my OB Oh, check me That makes out. me feel better. And then it did eventually go oh, yeah, away. yeah, it goes away. I and mean, so that's the thing when people say, oh, if it hurts, you're doing it wrong. Well, okay, if it hurts at like two, three months, yes, <laughs> there's a problem. Okay. Like it's, that it's makes not going to hurt so when you're still nursing her at a year or something. But uh, certainly in the first few weeks, you know, we got to toughen up and they're just feeding so frequently and um, and honestly I think Annabelle was similar like I think it lasted a couple weeks but I, I just I, I looked at my so my blog has been so valuable to me because you realize how much you forget yeah. so I went back like I actually was feeling really kind of down the first few days after delivery and I don't know if that's more an effect of the hormones like coming out of my body or the fact that by the way I've had a viral illness since like delivery um because you know you need that Lovely. when you're having a newborn and I was so afraid she's gonna get it which I'm still afraid but I don't know I was like super anxious about it um and I, I was like wasn't this so easy last time and I went back to my blog and I was like no, no clearly it was, <laughs> it was not. not and that really helped me but I did notice a comment I made like oh a week and my breasts don't hurt at all like hey <laughs> but I think it, it was just as bad with Annabelle yeah. as it was this time. No, I, so I mean, your theory just, makes sense. Just part of it. And you're, how are it's you feeling other than that? Are you? I'm feeling better now. If this virus would go away with the coughing and stuff, I'd be even better. But no, otherwise I'm having more energy. I can like when walk around, I can kind of pick the other kids up a little bit. The recovery, you know, in terms of like from the delivery has been pretty much very, very easy, which is great. And I'm thankful. I've never had to have a a C-section because I'm sure that is yeah. much more. Well, I always aspired to, there was this woman in my church growing up who um, had a farm family and basically she had like eight children and she um, was like milking the cows, went into labor, had the baby, went back <laughs> and milked the cows. <laughs> Sorry, that's like, oh my God. <laughs> which is, it was never quite that, <laughs> but uh, that is so <laughs> Sorry. Do do birth really well? <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good, but no, I think I do think that part gets easier the more you have because your body just kind of gets them out faster, faster. and yeah, yeah, yeah the so, pathway has been cleared. <laughs> so the family has everyone doing okay with it, or there was definitely in the beginning very some dramatic feelings that we noticed in, in some of them. Um, I mean, right, I don't, I Josh, feel, of course, right. <laughs> Oh yeah. No, the kids. I mean, actually Annabelle has already settled in really, really well. She's been really helpful. I'm really impressed actually. I think she's really enjoyed, my parents just got here. So she's really enjoying the attention that they're bestowing on her and feeling very, very, very grown up, like maybe more grown up than she felt before. Cameron definitely had some feelings uh, and we're just trying to make sure he gets lots and lots of attention and kind of special attention and individualized attention because, you know, sometimes your kids are more sensitive than you may have taken them for. Yeah. <laughs> That's been a lesson for me. Well, I mean, it's hard. Like you've just, he's been the baby of the family for he's years the baby and for now here's somebody else who's coming in and, you know, of course you're going to feel differently. Yeah. Like one thing that's been great is like when guests come and they go straight to the kit, like straight to Cameron and Annabelle and then like then acknowledge the baby later. I'm like, thank you. That is so helpful because when people come and they like, they jump right to the cute little baby and the, the kids notice it like big time. So that's not something that I had thought of, but like I'm going to be seeing my friend who just, she was just a couple months ahead of me and I'm going to be like paying so much attention to her four-year-old because now I know yeah. <laughs> like he's going to want that. He's going to want And also, I mean, just... 
what I had always found is, is, I mean, given that the baby is pretty inert and will just like lie there, except for, you know, when you're feeding, like, you can, especially if other people around like watching the baby go play with the other kids, because then that's yes. what they're very much like, oh, I, you know, I want mommy. And, and if, if we don't like actively get in on that, then, you know, next thing you know, if you're sitting down to nurse the baby and they're like, I want this. I want, you know, it's like as soon as you sit down to do it because they want your attention. And it's like you can tell you're focusing on the baby. So, I mean, not that it ever truly solves the problem. It's just so any, I don't know, new revelations that came out <laughs> as a mother of three versus two. Um, not yet. I am way too new at this to be, uh, giving any sage advice to anyone, <laughs> I guess, except the only thing is to be really, really intentional about giving your other kids a lot of focus because they'll be affected by it. That's the only thing I've really learned so far that, and I, I stand, I know we're, we differ on this one, but have never felt like I've needed a baby nurse. <laughs> so if anyone's debating it, Laura loved having a baby nurse, but I'm someone who three out of three. I like, I don't even know what I would do with them because my babies eat and then I put them down and then if they want to eat, I'm going to feed them. So I'm like, what would yeah. they Yeah. I think do? mine were so. more fussy apart from the eating. I think a lot of babies yeah. are. I think a and lot so of babies are. The mine seem to be cut from a similar mold. So no, I'll take it. No, because it's them. But if you know, they're not actually hungry, they're just making noise. <laughs> if somebody else deal with. I think my babies just love food. Like, I don't even know if they care if they're hungry, but if you like put milk <laughs> in them, them then... <laughs> they just do it. Yeah. Uh, which, which by the way, I mean, not to derail the babysitter here, but we, we got an, a letter from a reader. Oh yes. That we, yes, we should we acknowledge, to acknowledge um, who took issue a bit with our whole like pumping focused <laughs> maternity leave return to work episode. When she pointed out that one, obvious way to not have the whole pumping stress is to not pump, which of course, you know, Sarah and I have both used, you know, formula at various points with our babies. I mean, we've primarily nursed for the first few months, but, you know, we started supplementing or else like later on uh, used formula with them. And if you, you know, you could also do a mix, right? Like you could not pump during the day and just feed your baby. And I did actually, I had a great experience with Annabelle, which um, at around nine months I did quit pumping. And I know like that's long and you could choose whatever time you want. But then she still breastfed morning and night until 13 months and she got formula during the day. And that was like a very wonderful time because I still got to like enjoy that relationship. She still got some breast milk. Work became a million times easy. I think the reason we focused on it is, well, partly from my perspective, that's by far for me the most challenging thing about going back to work afterwards. I mean, if I... I actually can't. I'm like, what would be hard if you didn't have to do? That? Well, and, and <laughs> but, and so um, that's but no, it's very true. Many people make the conscious decision not to. Yeah, yeah. You know, put that out there. And that is absolutely okay. Yeah, and in fact, you know, as some people pointed out, like if you are staying longer at work because you're taking all these pumping breaks and then not getting home to your baby, that's or other, or kids. other kids. That's yeah. not actually that big a win. <laughs> so correct, um, and yeah scientifically, most of the, you know, there certainly are benefits for doing it longer, but the biggest bang for your buck is the first few months. So, you know, even from a scientific standpoint, you know, I think with Cameron, I, I only pumped for about six months and like, meaning I only pumped for three months. So I like, you know, fed at home for three months, pumped for three months and then just gave up. And, you know, everyone has their stopping point, but I felt like, you know, 
medically, he had gotten a lot of the benefit and it just wasn't working for me anymore. And I definitely, I applaud mothers who figure out when that balance has been reached and do what they need to do because that, that point might come at two months. It may come some people don't pump at all. And they're, you know, the generation before us, most babies were not breastfed and, and people have done just yes, fine. Or, you know, families where one kid wasn't breastfed for some reason because they had a milk intolerance or something. And you certainly can't tell the no. difference when they're 10 years no, old. Or you something. cannot at all. So, we did not mean to exclude those. You know, know. And, and so, yes, if, if whether you breastfeed or not, it does not make you a better or worse mother and uh, no. it's really up to individual families and what works for you. So we want to put that out there. Also want to put out that uh, the public service announcement of getting the epidural when you can. <laughs> yes, we have a um, an anesthesiologist. Well, she's about to be finished with her training um, that commented and said, there's no scientific literature that says you have to be dilated to a specific number of centimeters prior to the epidural. So um, I think she even provided the reference. So if anybody's about to deliver and wants to avoid that conversation, they should bring a copy of the article for some evidence-based, yes, I use that term, um, for some evidence-based you know, information to give the OB if they're saying you have to be a certain amount. If you're in a lot of pain, then you can get an epidural. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's Because that is the point of if it. If you want one. If you want one. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it doesn't <laughs> increase your risk of a C-section or anything. And in fact, may help you relax and actually get the baby out. <laughs> so always a, a good thing as well. Well, anything else you want to share on the birth or first few um, days? No. I mean, I will say I don't want to come across as completely like this is so easy because it is. there have been some challenges. I actually feel much better now about a week out than I did if we had recorded this three or four days in. There might have been like crying interspersed. So I'm glad we didn't. So low feelings or worries. Like I had this feeling like, oh my God, what did I do to my other kids? I shouldn't have done this because now they're not getting the attention that they need. Like honestly, like really strong stuff was going on. That's normal. And it may get better even a week from then. So do not despair or think that I'm saying that this is like the easiest time ever because it's not. But I think we're starting to settle into a routine and I'm at the same time as it not being easy street, I am actually enjoying it a lot, a lot, a lot. She's really cute. (laughs) She's so cute. I mean, it's like, I'm kind of obsessed. I'm I'm obsessed too. I keep looking over at the photos. Just like, oh, oh I mean, especially now that my my little guy is almost three years old, I'm like, oh, baby. And you're not tempted for a number five. <laughs> if I were tempted, I, I'm still not sure that it would be a very good idea. <laughs> so, oh my god, it, it's funny, you know. I, I didn't th- I didn't think with having four children that the uh, you know biological clock ticking thing would bother me at all, but you know, you still get the pain. Like, huh? oh my goodness, oh my I'm 39 years old. <sighs> <laughs> wow more babies can I, I don't need more babies you know that it's funny that that's biology is is what it is it makes you think There's so it's very strong <laughs> well I think we're done with three actually I'm very firmly you know I'm sure I will have the same pangs but at the same time from a practical standpoint this is perfect <laughs> and I'm going to just count my blessings and be thrilled that I have at this point, three healthy children. So, awesome. well, congratulations, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Little Genevieve can be everyone's love of the week because she's very, very yes. Cute. 
Oh, thank you so much. And we will be back next week with some uh, 2018 goals, which are one of my favorite things to listen to on other people's podcasts. So I hope you guys come back. That may be another, another short, short one, one, but we'll be back in real form after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. Tune in next week for more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.